Hello, everybody, and welcome to Catholic Truth. We are going to be discussing our debate with Mike Gendron in two parts because there were just so many things that he said, which we didn't have time to address in the video. And he was rapid firing all of these different things. You could never answer them all. So we're going to be taking time in this video to answer what he says about the Catholics and the catechism and adding to the gospel. And then in our next video, we're going to be addressing his questions that he asked us at the, in the last five minutes of the debate. He asks us all the largest, biggest questions which we didn't have time to answer and is kind of unfair and unsportsmanlike, but maybe that's what he wanted. So we're going to do it justice and we're going to make a whole nother video answering those questions. But in this video, he says that Catholics add to the gospel and he goes through a list of things that are in the catechism that are added to the gospel. And either, number one, they're not part of the gospel and he just says they are, or he has taken away these things which Christ commands and therefore has taken away from the gospel. So we will look at these and what he says right after this. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Mercier, president of Catholic Truth. If you haven't been here before, welcome. We want to help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith. Check out our merchandise in our store, catholictruth.org forward slash shop. We have many different shirts and mugs and different things like that. Yep. If you'd like a Catholic speaker, apologetics training, check out our website, catholictruth.org. One thing I noticed in my debate with Mike is that Catholics don't need to ignore any verses in the Bible. Did you notice that? Protestants often need to ignore many verses, and Mike had to do backflips <laughs> and mental gymnastics around many of the verses that I gave just to try to justify his own position. See, we as Catholics, we don't need to ignore any of the verses on faith. But many Protestants, and especially anti-Catholics, need to ignore many verses on works and obedience and the necessity of baptism. He was giving all sorts of crazy kind of explanations for what certain passages in the Bible meant regarding baptism. And rather than just accepting what the Bible was saying and what Christians have always taught for 1,500 years, many people read their preconceived theology and doctrine back into the Bible. But hey, in this video, we're here to talk about what he said about Catholicism. And so we're going to play a clip of what Mike says, of how we've added to the gospel, and then we will address these things. We need to contrast this greatest news anyone could ever hear with the Catholic plan of salvation that I believe for 35 years of my life. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the plan of salvation that Catholics must adhere to, it is by faith, but... Oftentimes, uh, Catholics are baptized when they're seven days old, and it's not the personal faith of the seven-day-old infant, but it's the faith of their parents. We need to share with Catholics that God doesn't have any grandparents. We also see that baptism is necessary for salvation in the Catholic Church. Paragraph 1256 of the Catechism declares that baptism is the sacrament of regeneration and the sacrament of justification. We also see in paragraph 1129 that Catholics must receive sacraments as a requirement for salvation. They must also do good works in order to be justified. That's paragraph 2016. They must participate in the sacrifice of the Mass. That's paragraph 1405. They must do penance in order to have their sins absolved and forgiven. That's paragraph 980. And they must seek indulgences as the remission of temporal punishment for sin. 
That's paragraph 1498 of the Catechism. And then they have to keep the law in order to be saved. And of course, that's impossible. We see in James chapter 2, verse 10, that you can keep the whole law perfectly and yet stumble at one part, and you're guilty of breaking the entire law. Before we get started on this, maybe I'm slow, but did anybody else notice that he said parents in Catholicism make an act of faith for the child, but that can't be done because God doesn't have any grandparents? I don't know what that means. Maybe someone can inform me in the comment section below, but God doesn't have any parents either. So it doesn't make any sense just because we make an act of faith on behalf of someone, somehow God has grandparents. I don't know what that means. The first thing he says is that Catholics must do good works in order to be justified. He makes it seem like we have to work our way to heaven with some works-based salvation or something. And he quotes paragraph 2016. Now, I'm going to put this on the screen. Tell me if you see anywhere in this entire paragraph that Catholics must work their way to heaven or do good works in order to be justified. It literally doesn't say anything like that, which is why this is so important. You need to fact-check people like Mike. You need to look up their Bible verses. You need to look up their history uh, quotes or claims, and you need to look up their claims on Catholicism as well, because oftentimes it doesn't say what they think it says. They're reading their own theology and thoughts into what they want Catholics to believe. It says, The children of our Holy Mother, the Church, rightly hope for the grace of final perseverance and the recompense of God their Father for the good works accomplished with His grace in communion with Jesus. Nothing about you have to do good works to be justified or to maintain your justification, at least not in this passage, and I'm not sure why he's quoting it. And yeah, it talks about good works, but it's talking about that we're praying for the final hope of perseverance, meaning like we're praying that God give us the grace to keep us faithful to him for the rest of our lives. We're not working our way to heaven here, Mr. Gendron. We are relying on Christ's grace. It literally says the good works accomplished with his grace. So these aren't good works of our own. These aren't us trying to work our way to heaven. These are good works done out of love for Christ by his grace. And it says in communion with him. So it's a love relationship with him. And we do these out of love for him by his grace. So nothing about working our way to heaven here, Mr. Gendron. I'm not sure why he quoted paragraph 2016 in the catechism, but people can go read that for themselves. Notice in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, meaning they're going to heaven they're going to hell. And why are they going to heaven? And why are they going to hell? And Jesus says, because they did good works or they did not do good works. He said, depart from me, you were cursed to the fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow, those are scary words. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was imprisoned and you did not visit me. I was thirsty and you did not give me a drink. And I was sick and you did not visit me and so on and so on. And it says, and they will go to eternal punishment, damnation. So Jesus associates us not living out our faith, not being charitable, not loving others, not serving others, just being selfish and doing nothing as not having true faith, as not living the gospel, as a faith that's not going to save you. James talks about in James chapter 2 how your faith can be dead, just as a body is dead without a soul. So your faith can be dead without works. So notice that he didn't say, you know, your faith seems dead. No, 
Notice how he didn't say your body seems dead or your body's not real to begin with. No, it's a real body, but it's dead because it doesn't have a soul. And so likewise, you can have faith, but it's not a saving faith if it doesn't have works. See, we're not adding works to the gospel. Works are part of faith. They walk hand in hand together. And a faith that does not have works does not saved. That's just the reality of it. And if you want, you can read paragraph 1992, which also talks about justification in Catholicism. And it says, and it says that justification has been merited for us by the passion of Christ who offered himself as a living victim, holy and pleasing to God, and whose blood has become the instrument of atonement for all sins of men. So Christ is the... <clears throat> So Christ is the instrument of our salvation. Christ is the one who merited for us salvation. Christ is the one who does everything to get us to heaven. Yes, we need to cooperate with his grace. Yes, we need to cooperate and, and do what he commands us to do and be obedient to him. But it's all by his grace. And it goes on to say that, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as an expiation by his blood to be received by faith. And then skipping down to the last sentence, it says, it was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus. So all throughout Catholic documents and councils, it says we are saved by faith. So we don't need to ignore any of the verses by faith. But they need to ignore all of the verses that talk about good works and losing your salvation, falling from grace, and being obedient until the end, and baptism saves you, and all of these other verses. We are justified by faith. We're not working our way to heaven. But, Mr. Gendron says, you follow the law. And one of the things he says in here is that Catholics follow the law. And I've heard this in all of his talks with Protestants, is that he says Catholics are still under the law. The Catechism teaches, the Councils teach that Catholics are under the law. Now, this is blatantly dishonest. And it seems like he's almost intentionally being dishonest because when many people think of the law, in fact, when anybody thinks of the law, they're thinking of the Jewish law, the Mosaic law. And the Mosaic law had things like circumcision. It had things like dietary laws, like you can't eat meat or shellfish. They had judicial laws and many, many practices that have all been done away with or fulfilled in Christ. So we don't practice the Mosaic law anymore, which leads to a very confusing point that when he tells people we must follow the law because the Catholic Church says so, we don't follow the law, Mr. Gendron. And that blanket statement alone is very confusing. And I feel like he's purposely being ambiguous to make Catholics look bad and to incriminate our beliefs. But it's just dishonest, in my opinion. Even when you say the law, there are many different types of law under the Mosaic law. Because you had, as I said, you had the dietary laws. You had judicial laws. You had the moral law. Which law are you talking about, Mr. Gendron? Or are you talking about all of them? See, you need to be specific. Even if he's talking about following the Ten Commandments, which the Catholic Church and Christianity teaches that we must do, we must follow the Ten Commandments, maybe he's saying, oh, well, they still follow the law because they follow the Ten Commandments. I quoted about 10 different passages in our debate where Jesus said we need to follow the commandments and the apostles said we need to follow the commandments. And if you don't follow the commandments, Jesus said, you 
don't love him. And if you don't love him, are you going to go to heaven? Of course not. In fact, in 1 John 2, 3 through 4, it says anyone who claims to love Christ but does not follow the commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And someone said in Matthew 19, 15 through 23, Master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, follow the commandments. He didn't say, just believe in me. He said, follow the commandments. And I can name a hundred more. Just look up John 14 and 15, at least six, seven, eight times in those passages alone. Jesus says, follow the commandments. Anyone who does not follow the commandments and does not abide in me will be cut off and thrown into the fire to be burned. So we're not following the law the entire Mosaic law. We're following the moral law, which the Bible, for the record, tells us to do. The whole New Testament tells us to keep these commandments. So it's the law of Christ. And if you read the catechism of what Catholics follow about the law, you're going to see a whole long section about how Catholics are now in the law of Christ, under the new law of the new covenant, not the old one that Mr. Gendron thinks we seem to follow. And the reason we follow the commandments is because Jesus tells us to. And we follow Jesus. Can you see 2 plus 2 equals 4 here? Not to mention many passages like 1 Corinthians 5, 17 through 22, Revelation 21, or 1 Corinthians 6, 9, which says that neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, and it goes down this list of things, and Paul says at the end, anyone who does these things will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He even adds drunkards to the list, among other things. So the point is, we can't break these laws and go to heaven. 1 Corinthians 5.17 and through 22 says the exact same thing, and it lists all of these things that we can't do, and if we do, we will be excluded from heaven. It does not distinguish between the saved and the unsaved. It just says, if you do these, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, people like Mike might say, oh, but if you have faith, you won't do these. Well, that's not true. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. Many Christians fall into sin. Many Christians get deceived. Many Christians get led astray. There's pastors who have been pastors for decades and decades, and then toward the end of their life, they fall into a big sin, or they create a big scandal. I know a deacon who works with pastors, and he says that many of them are addicted to pornography and things like that, and he's working with them to help free them and break them from that. Literally, anti-Catholics and Calvinists and people like that need to invent things in the Bible to work, have workarounds with their doctrine that doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture. They need to come up with all of these exit hatches and exit holes with saying, oh, well, that's because of this, or they were never saved to begin with, or this and that. And just read the Bible for what it is in the light of history and the, the, what's been passed down from the earliest days of Christianity. He then goes on to say that Catholics need to do penance and have indulgences. See, Catholics add to the gospel, and the gospel has nothing to do with indulgences or penance or anything like that. This is a huge blunder. The Catholic Church never teaches that doing penance or indulgences are necessary for salvation or even part of the gospel. This is something that Mr. Gendron is adding to the gospel on our behalf that we don't even add there ourselves. So this is why I say he's oftentimes dishonest or perhaps naive, ignorant about what Catholics believe, sadly. And he presents many things that Catholics believe that just aren't true. I mean, you could never receive an indulgence in your entire life. You don't even want one. And you'll still go to heaven. You will still get to heaven even without any indulgence. So it has nothing to do with the gospel, Mr. Gendron. And if you look at paragraph 980, which he says Catholics must do penance, he conflates two different things, seemingly, or he's just being intentionally vague and misleading people again, t intentionally confusing 
two different points to just to make Catholics look really bad. And this is what he does, which is why we wanted to debate him, because he just takes these things, makes Catholics look really bad, whether it's honest or not, and he leads people astray through dishonesty. Doing penance and the sacrament of penance, which paragraph 980 is talking about, are two different things, Mr. Gendron. Yes, we have the sacrament of penance, the sacrament of confession, but that is different than doing penance. Doing penance is something completely different, or you can do it as part of the sacrament of penance or a sacrament of confession, but even if you didn't, you would still get to heaven because those do not forgive your sins. He says doing penance absolves your sins and you must do penance in order to absolve your sins. So he either needs to be more clear in his wording or say exactly what he means because doing penance from a Catholic point of view is not has nothing to do with forgiving your sins. It has nothing to do with uh, having your sins absolved or anything like that. Yes, the sacrament of confession and reconciliation does. God forgives us through that sacrament, but doing penance is a different code word in Catholicism. It doesn't have anything to do with having your sins absolved or forgiven. I want you to look here because he says Catholics must receive indulgences. I mean, this is just sad. He says all of thousands of things that Catholics must do, must do. They're adding to the law. I want to read to you paragraph 1498 just so you can see it for yourself. And it says not, it doesn't say we have to receive indulgences, but listen to what it says. It says, through indulgences, the faithful can obtain a remission for temporal punishment resulting from sin for themselves or for all, for others' souls in purgatory. Notice how it says you can receive one. It never says you must. It never says you have to. It never says you're obligated to. It says you can. Did you notice how Mike tweaked that word? And one word, can and must are two very different words with two very different connotations. That's why I think it's very important for anti-Catholics, especially the more fierce the anti-Catholic, the more you want to look up their quotes, the more you want to look up their claims. I've looked up so many in my time, half of them aren't even there when they say they're there. Half of them, they quote a half a sentence and then ignore the rest, or they cut and piece different pieces of the catechism together to make it say what they wanted to say. But you have to fact check anti-Catholics because they don't quote things most times honestly or accurately. And this is important. And this is why we're making this kind of a video. And there's so many other things that Mr. Gendron said that just aren't true. And he asked us many questions that he wanted us to answer and we're happy to answer them. But that will have to be in another video. Anyways, let me know your thoughts down below. I'd love to know what you thought about the debate. If you haven't watched it yet, we will link it below. And I would love to know your thoughts about this video. And I'm very excited to make our next video about the questions that he asked us, which, and he didn't give us any time to answer them, but we want to answer them. They're good questions and they deserve an answer. So, because Mike literally asks them to everybody in all his Protestant speeches. He asks these questions to Catholics. So we are going to answer them and take on that challenge. So please share this video and please share our debate. Please share all our videos. You are the soldiers behind our ministry. You are the, the worker bees, in a sense, who get all of this out there that, to do what we can't do here. So thank you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and thank you for praying for us. And mostly, thank you for our patrons who continue to support us and make these videos possible, make these debates possible. Literally every moment of every day sometimes goes into preparing for these. So we really need a lot of support. So thank you in advance. And you can check out all of that down below, our PayPal, our Patreon, follow us on social media, etc. God bless you.